Hey, peace and blessings to you. My name is Jerry B. I am the Entree Musician, and so are you. And listen, so is the brother who's sitting to the left of my screen. I first of all want to say Happy New Year because this is officially the first interview of 2024, and I couldn't think of any other way but to bring it in with an Entree Musician who is actually the ultra Entree musician who's doing it strong, Mr. Keith Klizark. If you don't know, you don't know. He's like an undercurrent in the music industry, multi-platinum producer, music industry guru. And I'm just not messing around with that word. I'm talking about knowing the business like the back of his hand and is a consultant among many other things. It is my pleasure to have this brother on, man. Blessings to you. How you feeling? Wow, first and foremost, fam, what a, a a great introduction. Man, can you do it again? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding with you, man. It's an honor and a pleasure. Um, we, we talk, uh, I've been watching you for, for a minute, you know, and I, I really support what you do, you know, for people out there like myself, you know, it's no one advocating you know, showing us a, a path way, and just by you being an example, further than than just words. So, so to you, sir, thanks for having me. And I appreciate you being on. And it's been likewise. I got to tell you, I'm a person that's all about observation and learning and growing. And uh, I'm a jazz guy, you know. So straight off the rip, like we've talked offline, you know, I'm a jazz guy. I'm not a hip hop guy. I, I wasn't a part of that music that was a little, I'm a little older than that. I've always been steeped in either gospel, funk or jazz, right? But to see someone, yeah. and, and here's what I observe about you, Keith, to see someone who kind of fell into it, coming from a radio DJ saying, yo, look, I know I can pr produce this. I know I can make this happen, but it seems like everything that you touch you expand upon, you morph it, and you expand it, and you make it your own. And I love that about you. So I've been watching you on LinkedIn, right? Watching, listening, and then finally had the courage enough to, like, you know, say, yo, <laughs> how can we make this work? For sure. No. So thank you for your contribution, man. I, I've listened to so many different interviews, and my heart's desire was not to ask the same questions that you've been asked a million times, you know. And uh, as I right. told you yesterday, just kind of want to have that conversation, uh, specifically in the realm of the entree musician, because there's so many people that want to throw the names out. I'll throw a couple out. You know what I mean? But I don't want to get into those stories. Oh, what's it like working with Snoop? What's it like uh, Warren G or Mystical or Montel Jordan? Those are stories that you can tell, but I'm most interested in the man behind the story. You know what I mean? That transition right from uh, listening to Flashlight at four years old to yes. being 15 and going, okay, who who is that yeah. guy in between there as you're formulating this opportunity to work in the industry. Who is that? Man, I'm the son of Shirley Clark, the son of Ruffin Patterson, born in Greenville, Mississippi, uh, moved to Long Beach, California uh, at the age of four, right? 
And um, as you may have heard in other interviews, you know, that's that's kind of where I, I, I got the bug, you know, right. going to uh, cook out at my Aunt Barbara's house, you know, and it was all about records back then. And uh, they played this record fresh from the record store, you know, fresh. I can remember taking it. It was a it was a like a. I remember the bag it came in, just the plastic taking taking it off and the picture and they put it on, man. And, and that was it, man. I'm like, man, whatever it is, I am going to be a part of that, Jack. I'm, I'm going to be there. And, you know, uh, yeah. years later, you know, this thing called hip hop, right? It came about and then that was the catalyst to, to express myself with what I was feeling way back then. But in the meantime, you know, it, it was it was R&B, man, LTD, you know, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. You dig um, Marvin Gaye, you know, Fatback Band, you oh, dig yeah. Herbie Hancock, uh, Ronnie Laws. You dig Bro, what I'm saying? I do dig it. Oh, man. Steve Arrington is very eclectic with the funk and then the, the, the funk jazz, man. Yeah, man, that's that. That gave me once I got to hip hop, uh, absorbing all all that content. It gave me the tools to to really dig in and and and, and get into it because I kind of understood the music and, and where it was coming from, and I, I was a fan of it. Absolutely. Now, were you taking any type of music lessons along this journey, or you were just uh, taking what you knew instinctively and applying it? Uh, junior high school, man. I played the alto saxophone. Uh, I was in band and I was in orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, and little side note, um, beside me was a guy named Joe Cool. And this guy, he's Snoop's cousin, older cousin. And he designed the Death Row logo, ultimately, you know. Wow. So he played the trombone and I played the alto sax, Joe Cool. Shout out to him. <laughs> Word up. Word up. So you you got theory under your belt and now you're getting into radio. So you're radio DJ, right? So with, with that, man, in, in high school, 11th grade, you know, by then I formed a formed a, a DJ in a in a in a hip hop crew called B Control. Right. It, it consisted of uh, two MCs and like three DJs. And uh, there's uh, a station called KDAY, 1580 K-Day. A uh, side note, fun fact, it's the first all hip hop station on the planet. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was AM out here. So, um, and they had this thing called performing arts and they had like tryouts to where if you rap, perform, dance, whatever you do, they, they, do tryouts and then you could be a part of their performing arts that travel throughout the city at the festivals, open up oh, major concerts and things of that nature. And we went and we tried out and we were good and we made it and they saw that we had like, you know, really dope DJ equipment, speakers and everything to make it happen. Yeah. So with that we became like beyond the performing arts, we became like mobile DJs, like whenever there's a high school prom party, Whatever it was, you know, we went and did it. Mind you, eleventh, I'm I'm in eleventh grade doing all this stuff, living in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. Long Beach is 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 is, a, is its own island. It's like maybe 35, 40 minutes away from Los Angeles, you know. So to get outside of Long Beach at an early age and to be exposed to 
Los Angeles and Hollywood like that was like it, it was really it it did a lot for me to expand you know my thinking and my just everything, and and not only that to be able to see up and coming stars in in high school before they became big star stars and whatnot, but to to stay on track with the K Day thing, uh, it wasn't that I was a, an on air DJ. I was a mobile DJ that was able to go to all the concerts and whatnot and DJ, you know, things of that nature. Um, but in college, I was an actual DJ, uh, KLBC. Gotcha. So, so what was your study? What was your discipline in college? Uh, it was a music theory business. It was, I, I never got past my AA fam. It's like, um, I, I only went to school because Long Beach City College at the at the at the time they were like top three in the music program, meaning that they had like SSL boards, um, they had mini moves, and they had Max. Like this is '86 when Max first came out, they had all the technology. Wow. So I went there and, and got engulfed, and you know, mentored by some of the great uh, instructors there. You know, Tommy Thomas, rest in peace, sax, a great saxophone player. You know, Dr. George Shaw, another uh, jazz musician. Yeah, man. Yeah, a mentor of mine. Um, you know, uh, I got an opportunity. You know, to to really make money with my music. And it's like, do I want to, you know, transfer out in four year and, you know, get the bachelor's and all this and stuff. And I opted out, you know, I took that leap of faith. You feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I, I stepped out and yeah. I, I, I honestly never looked back. Yeah. Beautiful. That's beautiful. That's a great backdrop right there. So when we talk about artists that uh, came along, you knew them when before stardom came. When was the first time that you walked in and said, OK, this session is mine? Was it for you as an artist or did you already have the cap on that I'm here to produce for others? And it started down that path. Which way did you go? Well, going back to my mentors, I understood what a producer was. It wasn't just a beat maker. The producer right. was ultimately responsible for the ending of that record, what it sounds like from the mix to the master, every everything. Absolutely. You know? So uh, at, at an earlier age coming into the game producing, I, I commanded the studio, right? But I, I gave lyrical concept and leeway to the artist, but the process of making that record, you know, sure. uh, I had it. Word up. And so who, who was the first artist that you walked in on that, you know, um, either they were an indie at that time or they were already signed at, uh, as a label artist? Who, who was that person? Mm, nobody. I, 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 my crew, you know, me. I've never been to a studio, anyone else's uh, studio session or anything mm -hmm. uh, beyond my own. You know, this is all early you know, early just, you know, so it wasn't a lot of mentoring like my contemporaries where I can go to their sessions and whatnot. Man, I was a pioneer. Wow. You I know? see. Gotcha. Gotcha. So no one's looking over your shoulders. This is all instinct and faith. Yeah, yeah. Having fun. In. Trial and error, man. I never read a manual unless right. I had an issue because going to college and understand the verbiage and the terminology, you can really get into any technology, you know, and, and make it work. Word up. Word up. 
Well, that, that's fantastic, man. So over 30 years in this business, uh, what do you think has been the most uh, rewarding experience as you kind of span it? I know I'm I'm jumping timelines back and forth from four years old now into the 40 juice, but when you look back, what do you think was the most rewarding uh, experience that uh, you draw from? I learned this and man, that was the catalyst. Okay, let's 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 take it back to 1991. I'm uh, taking that leap of faith, you know, uh, out of, out of college. Um, I, I was blessed with an opportunity to create create a group. There was a situation that there was a singles deal at Capitol Records, and uh, a lawyer friend of mine knew a guy by the name of Boris Mindy, who's from Germany. He's he's a famous like in disco. He's he's famous, Boris Mindy. Um, he had had to deal through his production company and they needed a, a R&B rap type act, you know? So a friend of mine hit me up and says, there's a deal on the table for this, do you got that? In my mind, I'm like, uh, I don't. But my mouth said, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Absolutely. So needless, so needless to say, some high school friends of mine, uh, one by the name D'Angelo Moss, he went by D-Train. Uh, yeah. he, he's a minister. Currently, but anyway, he, he we went to high school, played football together. He was he was a cool rapper, level headed guy. So I called him up, and then there was another R and B cat that just like he's a crooner, but he had mad flavor. It's Vince Coson. He goes by the name of Vinny C or Vince Darrell. So I hit them up individually to see if they were on board. This mind you, this is twenty four hours. I'm telling you about right. Understood. I call, call Vince. He's down. So everybody's on board. So we hook up that evening and i say this is what it is i already told these people that we you know whoop de whoop de whoop so yeah. we really got to put something together real real quick so with that being said it's like uh i went back and spent that whole night crafting something you know that i i feel that a major would want I, i'm understanding mass appeal um, i'm understanding it can't be hood it can't be you know my environment, I got, I got to be bigger than that, right? Gotcha. So I did that and put it together and, and really morphed that R&B and hip hop together. You know, thanks to Teddy Riley being an influence, I was able to achieve it. Yeah. And it was the song was called You Ain't All That. It came out in 1991, Capitol Records. The group is called 3D. Wow. And, and the funny thing about that, I was telling Boris Mindy, who his production company got the deal, he had this young uh, girlfriend, right? Wow. And he kind of crowbarred her in the group. She didn't do anything, but somehow she ended up in the group. If you can check the videos out there, you can check it out. Aesthetics, man, aesthetics, right? Yeah, well, we yeah, we were pop, definitely pop Euro for sure. Hey, number one in Europe, uh, dance, nineteen ninety one. You ain't all that. So uh, apparently, dude knew what knew what he was he was talking about Boris Mindy, um, and with with it just just to revert a little bit with the experience with Boris Mindy, dude, you know German people their technology is is, is way ahead, right? So I'm I'm dealing with a synth clavier, like what the heck is a synth clavier? What is? Oh. I'm dealing with like top, not even knowing what it is until like years later, like whoa, yeah, I was doing that at you know early age. Wow, I think. But that that was a great experience, and that was like my first like major release. 
and and that was like a, a high point uh in, in my life and to to see that it, it charted and did like number one in Europe you know that was like number two you know and just to string them along to it's it's always to hear your music on the radio <clears throat> no matter how many times it, it different songs you hear you me personally I get the same feeling it's like I get it's, it's man it's like for the first time you know every time man it's like it's it's unexplainable fan right but that that uh, is memorable you know being able to meet Quincy Jones and to be able to have a conversation with him you know being able to sit down and 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 pick uh Suge Knight's brain you dig uh side note him and his my mother and his mother they had the same beautician oh okay and being yeah. able to, earlier on to to sit down with Leor Cohen and and really get the game on the uh intellectual property I I didn't know what it was IP back then but he was using those terms way back in the mid 90s right but yeah. I I got it later and his 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 wisdom it locked in it did lock in then but it locked in later when it was supposed to right, right? right. and uh Russell Simmons you know not to just to be name dropping but these are all people that I I got tidbits from to make me who I am today in terms of beyond just being a, a producer but being being a, a music exec and understanding the the, the business of music, Correct. you know, you know Correct. what they what they say, fam. Uh, perfect the music. Uh, uh, learn the business and outsmart the industry. Mm. So I, I I did I learned to do those things. Yes, yes. You were saying something, and and I'm just going to bring it up because uh, one of the uh, interviews that I heard, uh, you were talking about creating your own environment. And again, yeah. from just from the outside looking in to what Keith Plazark was about, that's the one thing that I really, really attracted because you know I'm all about mindset, discipline, and focus. And it seems like in the arc of your career, you've always had a particular mindset that was a little off center from what everybody else was doing, but you yeah. were able to improve. That's upon. a nice way of putting it. You know, it was just an observation <laughs> from me. You know what I mean? I just, so I, I'm a forward, a little I'm bit. a forward thinker fan. Um, and just, I, I knew I didn't want to be a 50 year old hip hop R and B producer. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a creative guy and I love entertainment. So I looked at the executive side, but my first transformation was in 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 directing, you know, videos and whatnot. So I got the opportunity to go to different states and to direct videos for independent artists. And at the same time, as I'm trans transforming from production, you know, um, I get this partnership deal with Universal Music Group, you know, um, blessed once again. Yeah. And it's it's to put uh, music out through their distribution channels. So I pair that with directing these these videos with with people around the country. I'm like, okay, everyone is buzzing in their region. If they got on a a, a global platform, would it translate? Yeah. So that's I'm like, bing epiphany. I can use this distribution deal to really help out some independent uh, companies who got it together and who are willing to take a chance on themselves. Yeah. You know. 
That's absolutely right. Now, other genres that people do not, you know, because they, they lock you into the snoop, they lock you into, you know, but other genres that you've been able to penetrate, why don't you expound upon that as well? Because your scope is really a wide one. Well, going back to my early influences, it was all R&B, you know, just L LTD and, and groups like that. Uh, the Blackbirds, you know. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's instrumentation, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Now, you know, one of the things that we, we uh, did when we knew that we had confirmed you for uh, this interview uh, was we went on LinkedIn and we went on Facebook. And I said, yo, you know, I have the opportunity to interview Keith Clazark, you know, multi-platinum producer, et cetera. I said, so if you had a question, what would that question be? And, uh, man, they came in, like, really, really strong. So no. uh, uh, Dave Inninger, who owns Across the Road uh, Productions in Cape Town, Dave Inninger. And so Dave... Uh, you know, as, as a matter of fact, I just did a project with them. They uh, remixed three of my tunes in Dolby mm -hmm. Atmos. So that'll be coming out later this month here. But he wants to know uh, what you think of Dolby Atmos or have you, you know, started uh, messing with it? And, uh, you know, are you doing any work in it? So that's for Dave. Uh, no, I haven't physically... I haven't physically touched the drum machine production wise in it's we're working on a decade fan, mm -hmm. right? Production wise, where I'm at, just not to get away from Dave's question, gotcha. is, I, I, I accent my producer's productions and I, I mix. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So uh, I'm not familiar with like the top, top new gadgets and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, so Dolby Atmos, uh, Dolby, the company, uh, took it out of the theaters and kind of put it into the studio. And so the immersive mm. audio experience, and mm. it's just, you know, uh, I would be willing to, you know, even uh, later on down the line, when you step into a studio that is a full Dolby Atmos facility, like down in Katy, Texas, I know you get to Dallas and Houston and yeah. whatnot. So, um, they're right outside of Houston. Uh, to check them up, I'll, I'll make that connect for you. And uh, Yeah, for sure. They were able to, uh, his uh, production director, Danny Jones, who actually did the remix on my songs, he um, were, was able to finish the entire Al Green discography for the record mm. company. So that's coming oh, out wow. this year, and that's going to be like, yo. And when you hear Al Green and Dolby, it's going to change your perspective. <laughs> Let me tell you. Very, mm -hmm. very good stuff. But uh, another question came from Nanad C. Actually, he had two questions. Now, Nanad is an entree musician from Serbia. And so this is a question. Right he says, yeah, he says, uh, so what is the difference for you between hip hop and rap music in the 1990s and today, considering the millions of beats produced by the kids that can be found and bought or download it. What do you think the difference between then the 1990s and now is from that perspective? Just going back to instrumentation, you know, now you can make a beat with one finger. You can make a composition using one finger, you know. Uh, back in my day, you man, you, you you had to spread them out on them boards, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. That's good. That's good. Now the second question from the net is how 
do you navigate through the rapidly changing music industry? How do you personally navigate? Be a trendsetter, you know, cre create what's next, you know, don't follow the trend, be the trend. Man, so now you gotta, you gotta, like I had to do the introduction twice. <laughs> you gotta answer that question twice. That was beautiful. Be the trendsetter. Be the yes. one who's setting it and not following the trend. Exactly. That I mean, just not to go off, but that's that's what's wrong with hip hip hop and, and music today, you know. It's like the originality is gone, you know. I, I remember like the Phil Spectres, you feel me? I, I remember like the different producers, uh, Ike Turner, who all these people I'm mentioning had a distinct sound. That's you know. And 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 my boy, I'm I'm drawing a brain fart, but he's one of my favorite producers. Um, Heat Wave, the, the, the white. Oh guy. yeah. Um. So we're talking Rod Temperton. Rod Temperton. Yeah, man. Man, he was a genius. Absolutely. Genius. Absolutely. Timeless music is what he was creating. You know what yes. I mean? Timeless. And Arif Martin is one of my favorite producers, you know, mm. uh, the Warner Brothers sessions, uh, Shaka Khan, when Shaka first stepped out on her mm. own, you know, Arif was doing those sessions and he brought in Dizzy Gillespie and Herbie Hancock, oh, wow. these type of, you know, and they, they're doing Shaka sessions, man. So man, great. Can you imagine? Bill and Gainey's, you yes. know, Lewis Ooh. Johnson. So yeah, I I very much follow producers, man. Of course, you you've mentioned Quincy, you know, obviously uh, one of my all time favorites. Not just because of the Michael Jackson stuff. People didn't get to him hip to Quincy until Michael Jackson. I'm talking about popularly. Yeah, but you man, know he was doing Frank Sinatra. Frank you Sinatra, yeah. Count Basie. <laughs> Count Basie when he was young. Exactly. So young. you know. Yeah, you know, the producer ha having that and that that really was something that I think our, our uh, lives parallel and that is where I was a liner note reader. So I'm looking at who's behind all of this mm. stuff being made. You know, yes. uh, you spoke of LTD when George Duke, uh, when uh, Jeffrey Osborne stepped out on his own, mm -hmm. he got with George Duke. So George yes. Duke was producing his. It's like so a George yeah. Duke production is like. Had a sound, right, right, right. Yeah, rest so, in peace, George Duke. Without fail, man. So yeah, I I feel that man. That's that's the type of stuff that that rocks me. Now, so continuing with the questions because I I don't want to dominate your time here, man. But Anna Nicholson from Canada, she had some questions for you. Okay, and she says, "What is the best strategy, in your opinion?" for an indie artist to get their music played in light of artificial intelligence and the other algorithms that happen on the different social spaces. Okay, peace out there to Canada. Her name is Annie, right? Anna. Anna, Anna, happy New Year's to you. Um, don't watch the clock, I'll start with that. It's all organic, right? there's no instant blow up to get your music on the radio. Mm -hmm. And I would say wh wherever you're at, whatever region you are, are in, you conquer your region. You, you, you force your region and that radio station to have to play your, 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 your record. 
right? Beautiful. Um, and from there it spreads, you know, because if you try to go outside of your region, it, they're just going to call back to your hometown and see who you are and, and check your G file. If no one can validate you for putting the work in, then it's, it's never going to work. You know, uh, uh, of course, people, you know, with hundreds of thousands of dollars for marketing, you know, they can get their, their records played on, on these radio stations, you know, yeah. but organically for independent artists, you know, it's a grind, you know, it's a lifestyle. And I mentioned once again, you can't watch the clock. You just got to do the work, you know, and, and conquer, conquer your region, conquer your background, you know, local shows, you know, and, and, and don't wait for someone to put on a show, you know, invest in yourself in, in, and put on your own show and invite other artists to bring their fan base to you. You know, not only are you promoting yourself, but you're making money at the same time because it's your event, you know. It's things like that to get attention in your region and sew up your 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 region and, and and force that radio station to play your music. And I digress. And that's that's absolutely excellent. And I got I have to vouch for Anna because she's a bona fide entree musician too. Indian Gypsy Indian Gypsy Music is her mm -hmm. company, and she did not single mother of two beautiful daughters. She did not wait for the industry because she writes lyrics. And she's a singer. And instead of waiting to put a band together because mm -hmm. those things were slowing her down, she started releasing her music a cappella. So it's just mm -hmm. her singing. Beautiful stuff. Great lyrics. And that's how she started. So, yeah, you know, I'm glad that she chirped in on this because uh, she's a bona fide entree musician. She's not letting the clock or anything stop her. She's going for it. So, now that you, you, you shed more light on her and her genre, I would enhance what I just said because there may not be a radio station with that type of format that she can do these things I just talked about. But think about you know commercials, thinking of think about movies, think about visual things that you can pair your acapella with you know some kind of uh, instrumental accompaniment, you know uh, strings or whatever, you know something simple. You know, and, and shoot towards uh, commercials, you know, jingles and things of that nature versus, you know, wanting to hear your song on the radio or whatever. That's cool. But there's more money when you diversify. And, you know, like I say, think about films and placements and sinks. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, man. Her, uh, her second question is, what are the five most important steps in the process of successfully releasing new music? for an indie artist. You already took care of a couple of those with commercials and sync licensing, but are there three more? Yeah, areas? no, I'll go beyond that and, and give you a whole fresh list, fam. Cool. So with, with that being said, first, you gotta ask yourself, who are you and who are you the voice for, mm -hmm. right? Who are you speaking for, right? Who are you, who are you, who is your demographic? And then from there, you break it down to like, is it, 60% female and 50% male that listen to me, you got to figure that dynamic out. Yeah. And once you figure that dynamic out, you, you, you're you able to tap into like uh, a commonality and emotion. I always say an emotion, we all have them, highs, lows, and mids, right? And you, yeah. you, you pick a, a subject matter that's universal to your demographic, right? That they can relate to. And then you, you, you craft it out and you, you get something that's palatable. Right. That's we're going to start there, because if you 
do all the other steps and don't have the content that they 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 want, it all means nothing, right? So tap in and and don't be selfish when you make your music. You know, consider who you're the voice for and who your demographic is and who you're talking to, mm. right? Right. That's very very cool, man. So so this is a good segue. Before I just pelt you with another question, it's a good segue to why you are no doubt legit an industry guru. And you also have a consulting agency. So let's talk about that a little bit yes. uh, because you're real strong on helping a lot of independents out here find their way to navigate through the industry. Let's talk about how it started, uh, what your vision was for it. And, and uh, as you nav navigate through it, how, how is progressing with your clientele picking okay. up? Man. Interesting how, how it started. Uh, my business partner, just one day, because I, I filled a lot of phone calls, you know, I'm a multitasker. Yeah. He's like, man, you, you're taking a lot of calls and you're giving a lot out of a lot of advice. You know, you should think about monetizing your conversation because it's taken away from some of the things that you're doing. So I'm a family man. So I went and sat down with my family and just, well, wifey and yeah. just, you know, like, actually what she thought. And she's like, yeah, I always want to say it, you know. <laughs> But someone else said it, you know, you might as well, you know, monetize your conversation. So team winning uh, was born like seven, eight years ago. Right. And it's really to help those who want to help themselves. Right. And uh, I've been having a blast at it. You know, I worked it up to a point financially to where the company, it makes sense. And family, let me tell you, it feels good to help people and you're being compensated at the same time too, right? And right. and beyond that level of, of of feeling good about it is to see people succeed. That's that's even even better to see them take what you said and apply what you said and and go out and actually do it, man. That's that's the ultimate right there, you know. Yeah, man. I digress. Man, no, I, I love your spirit on that, man, because uh, just to accomplish what, uh, by God's grace and your hard work, you've been able to achieve and then say, well, there's room for everybody here. So let me share what I know and give it to you so that you can help feed yourself and feed your family. What, man, what a blessing that is. That's just right on point. Indeed. So God bless you, man, for that spirit. Right on point. And it's interesting because the reason I bring this up is because, again, on LinkedIn had a brother who is a mentee of yours. His name is Zach Lindenberg. And I've interviewed oh, Zach. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I've interviewed Zach here. And he said, oh, man, he was my mentor during COVID. So, yo, tell him I said, what's up? He didn't have a question, but he was like, just I could hear the giggles, <laughs> you know, through his, yeah, his text. Yeah, like, yo, tell that brother. Absolutely. He's a good man. He's a good brother. I know he, he's a good man, but he's smart and he's a go-getter and he's pays attention to detail that's so uncanny. His it's just he's he's something special for sure. Absolutely. Like I said, he's been on this platform, you know. Um I love the things that he's doing, you know, from uh from Nashville to LA. You know, and, and being involved, having a good background in law, you know, he's just a good dude, man. And yes, so small world, small world, you know, yeah. uh, Sarah Stevens is out in uh, Washington State. 
And she just simply wanted to know with everything that's on your resume, what's next? What's next for her Keith Clizart? Uh, is scaling, scaling what I have. Side note, uh, I'm a part owner of a motorcycle helmet company. Mm. M1C Helmets is the only first and only black brand helmet company uh, in the world. You dig? And um, I'm, I'm working on scaling that with my partners in terms of licensing the tech. It's really the technology, not so much the helmets itself, but it's the technology, the lighting technology right. that we're licensing out to uh, existing helmet companies with that. Right. But with, with the music, uh, it's just expanding production. You know, I have team mashing uh, distribution with the partnership with, with Universal Music Group. You know, um, also have the team winning, of course, which what we're talking about. But, you know, I have the production company, too, where I have like 10 producers from all over the planet talking mm -hmm. Germany, we're talking India, Africa. They all over the place. Right. Great. And just my thing is the overall. And I think this eluded you uh, as well. We're talking about creating your own universe. You feel what I'm saying? And not having to go outside of yourself for anything. I'm not about soliciting. I'm about creating the situation. So for 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 the people who are on my team, that's what I do is I create situations for them to to move forward and, and get paid and feed their family and continue, you know, doing what they love to do, you know, with their artistry. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Well, there you go, Sarah. That's what's next. I mean, because, you know, again, entrepreneurial musician true entree musician, not only on the music tip. Uh, there, I, I heard about the uh, movie Operation uh, Green Light. I don't know what the status of that Operation is. Operation Green Day. Green Day, Green Day, not Green Light. That is so funny, fam. It's like, when I say funny, I, I could have made this movie maybe 10 years ago, but the, all of the fun, and that's a movie in itself, the funding that I got always turned out to be, it, it was there, but it, it wasn't the right source. Wow. Ultimately. To yeah. do it. so it's it's on the way that that's man before I, I leave the planet operation green day is such a classic and it's a time piece it's set in like 1992 you know yeah uh, it's yeah. a combination of, of fridays and pope fiction you dig mm -hmm. and uh we're, we're gonna we're definitely gonna get to it and you're working on a documentary as well right uh well i've, I've done a couple of of documentaries and basically what the documentary is, is when I do an album and I have different collaborate collaborate people who collaborate with me, we take the camera in, we 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 film the whole process. Like gotcha. how it's crazy how I can quarterback from Los Angeles or Dallas, people all over the planet and be uh in studio sessions virtually while people doing yeah. vocals and how it comes, it's very interesting, you know. And yes. how it all comes together in, in one co cohesive project, you know, and those I've done two, three of those of, mm -hmm. of albums, the making of, of these albums. So, you know, th those are the documentaries. That's cool. Now, you uh, you you have a book in the works or you ever thought? Yeah, about yeah. It? I'm writing, man, the book. Oh, my God. The book is crazy, man. It's, it's going to make you smile, but it's, it's going to make you cry, mm -hmm. you know, Um People see the light and the finished product, and and there's so so many 
hardships and, and, and pain personally yeah. that I, I went through to get to this 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 status. We talked about scars and me showing scars. Yeah. Man, I, I have scars that'll never go away, you know, mentally, physically, and spiritually in this wicked wow. industry, you know. Um is there an opportunity to expound upon one? You don't have to name names or do anything like that, just to to see the stark reality of what it is out here? Uh, when people consult with me and they say, I want to get a record deal, it's like, man, that's not what I do. I understand the industry, and that's like me promoting you to run into a burning building. You dig? I understand that. If you like getting pimped, then go ahead, you know, mm -hmm. but you, that's not set up for you to win, you know? It's, it's not. And then I break it down to them how it's not. It's just a loan. You know, it's just an advance. You're responsible for that. They got to recoup and you recouping at your rate, not you get a, a million dollars and you, you made a million dollars. If your percent is 10 percent, you only recoup 10,000 of that million dollars. You know, it's taking forever to pay them back, you know. Right. right. Um, and I, I'm an advocate of, of independence. The all you really need is major distribution. And I secured that a decade ago with my partnership, you know, and the rest is really on you as a label, as an independent artist to, you know, get your, your money together to invest in yourself because you are the business. You're the business. What business doesn't take an investment to grow, you know, right. and invest in yourself, get that major distribution and, and get, you know, the proper uh, content and product, like we mentioned earlier, to tap into your demographic. And then uh, you go, you go. Yeah. And, and if anything, don't solicit them record labels to get a deal. Let them solicit you. You know, you do put the work in. And and what's crazy is by the time they get to you, you won't need them. You, need them. <laughs> you won't need them. That's exactly right. So I, I forgot to ask, and I'm a miss at what you have a title for the book. I'm sorry, say it again. I said, I, I'm amiss by not asking, did you have a title for the book? Your book that you're writing. There, There's a couple in, in the work and there's the title is so unique, man. I'm going to hold them close, man. I don't want no one to take that. Word up. But yeah, man. Oh, man. I went through a depression, fam, with platinum, platinum plaques, man. I, I was trying to figure out how to wake up in the morning and, and make it work and not understand really what it was man but uh, I eventually got through that funk you know it's like I had to understand uh, this this body this person I see in the mirror that's not who I am I'm I'm, I'm the light that's inside um, when I look in my eyes that's who I am I'm that light in there yeah. you know and once I started understanding that separating myself from the physical you know and, and tapping more into the to my spiritual it, it helped me come up out up out of that, and man, it really gave me a different perspective on life, myself, women, especially women at that you know that, that young time, you know. But it gave me a whole different perspective, man. Everything was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful, man. I did, and, and excuse my language, and dog shit. I found beauty in it, you know. <laughs> Understood, absolutely. Now, you know, uh, there have been, and uh, those of you who are watching this or listening to this podcast, there are several different uh, interviews that you can go to with Keith. And the, the question is always, you know, well, how is it working with Snoop? How is it working with, you know, so-and-so, Warren G? What I want to ask, though, you know, and so they, they, 
I'm not going to ask you the same question, but I am going to ask in your approach with working with all of these stars, you know, mega people who are on the planet in, in this business, how did you navigate the different personalities in the various rooms that you're, that you were walking in? So you can name names if you want, but you know, how, how did you navigate that? Because, you we'll know, just, this we'll just start, in, we'll just start in, in Long Beach, right? Cool. We Warren G and we got Snoop, right? Right. I'm older than both of them, but we we would always meet up at the VIP Cross Paths. It was a record store, Calvin Anderson, VIP record, and he had a studio in the back, and we would cross paths. You know, they were into like the real hustling and the gang banging stuff. Not that's that wasn't my thing. I was really into the music. Um, so I, I knew them, and when they got their deals and the timing was right, I was able to come back around to produce music on Snoop. And uh, God bless Warren G, man, that's my guy right there. He, he when he got his deal at Def Jam, he, he signed me to his production company. And with that, that was the first time I was able to go to like Guitar Center. Back then it was Nadine's for us in Hollywood to go yeah. whatever you saw, whatever you wanted, it, it took, me technically to the next le level. So I, I, I really thank Warren G for that, you know, uh, investing in me and bringing me on board to, you know, to be down with with that G-Funk experience. Yeah. Um, Warren is cool. It's, it's like crazy. I don't know what it is. It's, it's Warren, we, 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 we cool, but we, we never really like hung out, hung out. You know, it's like, that just goes back, man. I'm a studio rat, man. I'm, I'm really, I'm not into, you know, I'm not into like a lot of drama. I'm not into like drugs. I'm not in, you know what I mean? Right. So we, we would like really get, get, get it in the studio. You know, that's outside of that. Not really. Now with Snoop, it's, it's damn near the same thing with Snoop. You know, um, we, we only got down really in the studio. It wasn't a lot of hanging out and, and things of that nature. Yeah, we just did. We did business together. You know, we know each other. And we cool, and it's mutual respect. Mm -hmm. And uh, Snoop is—he's so man. That dude is so cool, and 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 like he, his memory. What what stands out? What impressed me about Snoop? It's not really his his rapping. It's it's his memory. The dude got a memory. Who can remember? He can remember stats. He can remember stats from before he was born, and it, it always blew my mind. This his his memory, wow. how he can recall things. Um, cool. That, yeah, definitely a blessing to work with him on 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 projects. Oh, high point. Uh, the last meal, the album. Man, it it was all of my favorite producers on there. Dr. Dre was on that project. Right. Uh, Timberland was on that project. Uh, Talib Kweli was on that project. Uh, Pharrell was on that project. Uh, DJ Battlecat was on that project. You know. Um. Uh, Swiss Beats was mm. on all the top producers was on this one, man. And I was blessed, blessed, let me tell you, to be on that project, man. So that's that's something like, man, I did that. You know, it, it may be small to someone else, but to, to me, out of all this awards and all that stuff, man, just to say, man. Yeah. That right there, man, that was art right there at the last meal. And just to write off of that, and, and not to stretch this thing out. Okay, while it's in, while it's in my in my mind, um, 
there's a song called Go Away that I did for Snoop on this project, the, this project that we're talking about and how, how it came about was it was in a dream. Um, I was dreaming that I was in the studio with Dr. Dre and he was sitting behind me, but not saying anything. Right. And in my mind, I had to, every step was like a jigsaw puzzle and I had to put the puzzle together correctly. I got the puzzle halfway solved in my dream. And I, I woke up at that time. My room was my studio. Right. So I was able, and, and, and everything was on already. It was still it was plugged. I had to turn nothing on. And, you know, I got up and I crafted it. Mm. And I, I ran into a brick wall in five hours. So I just like went back to sleep. But when I woke back up in the morning, it, it was it was enough there for me to fill it in. Now at this time, uh, Snoop, he was out on like tours. So we were sending like CDs and dats to like the next city so we can have it at his hotel and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I sent the instrumental to him and he liked it so much, he played it for Dr. Dre, right? And Dr. Dre loved it. And I'm gonna tell you later in a second how much he loved that, that beat, Go Away. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening is when they got back off, off tour, Snoop, he went in and he, I wasn't there when he recorded it, but he went in and recorded it. And um, Dr. Dre liked it so much when they went out on the Up and Smoke tour, he used it as an intro, as his stage intro. If anyone remember, it goes back to Up and Smoke, how he comes out, it's like a movie, you know, a uh, big movie screen with action and all that good stuff. But he, he liked the instrumental so much that he used it in his, his intro. And to, to that, he liked it so much. If you listen to uh, Mary J. Bly's Family Affair, let's get it started. Dun, 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 dun. If you listen to that song and then you listen to Go Away, they're the same, they're the same song, wow. right? So Dre, Dre liked it so much to, he was, and this is crazy for me, it's like, I look up at him. He's like a producer guy for someone to really like what what I did enough to inspire him to go and make a freaking massive hit like that. And people always say, man, why don't you get an attorney and do this? Man, I'm like, are you crazy? That's Dr. Dre. He like he like my he dug my stuff enough to go and do that. Right. Man, <laughs> blessings. He can have that, man. He influenced me to do all these other platinum records, man. How dare me to. To, to do that. And, and I don't even really mention, this is maybe like the first or second time I've ever mentioned it in, a, in an interview. So you got kind of an exclusive, you know, with that. Thank but you. yeah, man. It's pretty amazing. Now, and not to cut you off, fam, no, and then no, we, we, we'll stop there now that I'm thinking about highlights. One last highlight, you know, it goes back to what inspired me to want to really get into this stuff. And that was George Clinton flashlight, right? Right. All right. Funny story. Right. And you probably heard this on the interview, but my production partner, Meech Wells, which is the son of Mary Wells and Cecil Womack, the Philly sound. Yeah. Um, he was friends with uh, George Clinton's son. His name was Trey Lou. They had a, a band. Trey, together. Right. And uh, George was flying into town to do something. And me and Meech were working on another Snoop project. And we want, you know, get him on, get him on something. So we picked him up from the airport, right? 
So I'm all geeked up, man. We riding them like, man, I'm going to meet Uncle George. I'm going to meet Uncle George. We get there, George Clinton. The curbside got his bag. I'm sitting in the front. I'm like, let me, you know, he's going to get in the back. I'm like, hold up. Let me grab your bags. So got his bags, put them in the trunk and um, let him sit in the front seat. I got in the back seat, right? So we riding him. We meet reminiscing. We riding and riding. And then I noticed, like, he had something in his hand, right? And then, you know, kept going, riding, riding. I'm thinking, like, it's just a weed pipe, right? But that's not what it was. And where I'm sitting at in the back seat, I can in a rearview mirror, I can see Meech's eyes and he can see my eyes. And I know telekinesis, I'm, I'm telling him, I'm like, I know Uncle George ain't finna light up in the car while we're in the car. I know he's not finna do it. And uh, sure enough, in, in true fashion, man, he lit it up like it wasn't nothing. So needless to say, you know, I, I let my window, I never smelled it and I never wanted to know what it smelled like. So I let my window down. But that's Uncle George. What, he, what can you do? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I my window down and stick my head out a little bit, right? So the amazing thing about this, to speed it up, that story is, it's like once we got him situated in this hotel and we got back to the studio, we were, we did a take where he, a four minute song all the way through. And what amazed me is that he was able to tell me to go back to like two minutes, 37 seconds. Wow. Think about it. Right. Not go back to the first verse. Or, no, go back. Just, and this is under the influence. My, my thinking is like he's under the influence. Like who can do this and, and still have be in the presence of, of, of reality? Yeah, yeah. But he was beyond that. He was able to tell me to go back to that. And that blew my mind, you know. And just the conversations that I'm going to have in the book, man. We had some like real deep philosophical uh, and religious conversations, man, you know universal in the cosmos type conversations that I'm going to put in my book. But that made it full circle for me, fam, to, to meet the person that inspired me to ever just to want to do it. Um, and, 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 and that was incredible. If nothing else from this point happens, man, it's like, I, I, I've been blessed, but I know if I lean forward, my body is going to follow and mm. continue to, to gain you know, as long as I keep myself accessible for things to happen for me. Absolutely. Well, it's definitely going to happen, man. I, I, I can't let you go without asking this question, and that's the producer geek in me. Uh, but what is your DA of choice? You know, what is the equipment that you your go-to that you just kind of vibe on that's just you? I think the drums are the foundation of everything. And I I, I, I stopped. I've had every MPC 60, 62. And I stopped at the MPC four. That it's a beast, and it's way ahead of its time. And, and to me, no filters that's interpreting kicks and snares is is like it. It's it, it's something else. Um, I, I'm a Pro Tools guy, but I've recently been in in in, in a Logic Pro. Uh, I'm I'm liking the the movement in it, with the recording, and the mixing and whatnot. So I flip back and forth. Excuse me, from Pro Tools to the Logic Pro. Gotcha. Well, um, the, I, I'm a miss again because, you know, that question prompts the other because you get down with uh, creating beats and loops. You have to deal with Big, Big Fish Audio. Yeah. So I can't say goodbye yet. You just got to give me a little oh, bit good. on that one right there. Man, here's, here's a funny story about that. Going back to the last meal and that, that that song go away, 
that Dr. Dre like, right? Right. Mind you, I live in Long Beach and Hollywood is like 40 minutes away. So we was in a studio in Hollywood. I get there and everything was, you got to stripe the tape. It was two inch reel, you got to stripe the tape. And it was one pass for two or three things or eight things possibly, we had to do pass. So I'm dumping everything out the drum machine and with the clap, the clap that make the whole song what it is, it's, it's not there for whatever reason, fam. It's not there. I'm panicking. We're on the clock, right? And luckily, three blocks away, there was a guitar center because mm. I got that clap from a Big Fish Audio uh, sample CD. Mm. So I ran down and I went and got it. Well, no, I ran down and they didn't have it. So I'm panicking even more. I'm still on the clock, right? And then from there, he says, hold up. Big Fish Audio is just in the valley. It's like 15 minutes away. Let me call over and see if they can get you one. So he called over. <coughs> Excuse me. Certainly. And they had it for me. So I went over and I got it. And uh, the guy, Byron, salutes to Byron, Byron Devers. <clears throat> He recognized my name from some other projects. He's like, are you Keith Glizark? I'm like, yeah, that's me. <clears throat> He's like, man, I like your stuff. And he gave me like, back then it was like these jewel cases, CD cases. He gave me an empty jewel case and he took me to the back, to the warehouse. <clears throat> He's like, man, go ahead and get whatever you want to get. I'm like a kid in the candy shop, man. There's walls and walls of sounds and sounds and sounds. Yeah. So to speed the story up, I fill my little jewel case up and I'm, I'm walking out. It's this long hallway. To the left of me is glass in the parking lot. And to the right of me is office. You can see the offices. So I'm walking just to walk in and I get to the, like, the last office and I kind of locked eyes with this one guy. But I kept it moving. Right. I'm on the clock. I got to get back to the studio. Right. And as I'm putting the stuff in the car, I see Byron and the guy walking out. I'm like, oh, man, they're going to want me to pay for this. I want their stuff back. So <laughs> it turned out it, it was uh, Tom Meadows. He's the owner of Big Fish Audio. Salutes to Tom. And he brought me in and sat me down. He's like, have you ever thought about making uh, a sample CD? <clears throat> and in my mind, it's like I bought 30 of these things already at $100 a pop. I would love to be on the other end of it, right? Heard so. I'm like, yeah, I, I, let's let's do something. Let's let's do something called Platinum Essentials. Like all the uh, records that I did were that went that went platinum. I'll take those sounds and make them available for the producers. So, needless to say, we did that and it launched a series, which is the still to this day the biggest West Coast uh, sample pack in 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 Big Fish history, right? So, uh, I got into that man in 2000, and I'm still there. Uh, yeah. 23 years later, uh, creating sounds and leaving my imprint on young the younger generation by giving them my sounds, right? Yeah, and, and bringing other young producers who have a unique sound to to add to to sell. So yeah. that's man, that's fam, that's popping right now. The sample pack game we, we, on the fire. We gotta get, we gotta talk about that or maybe a, some jazz. Yes, sir. You know? Yes, and sir. That in the system. Cause I call that sleep money, you know. You do it and just, yeah. That's right, man. I, you know what? It's, you know, it's the beginning of the year, twenty twenty four. You gotta come back though, fam. Okay, you can't. You we can't just let it lay in January. You gotta, 
<laughs> we got to get me at least one more because there's so many other questions. Because every time you say something, I'm thinking, dang, I didn't ask that. I didn't ask that. But I'm trying to stay clear because I do want people to fill you out on the other interviews because you really do bear your soul. I got to say this, too, as we wind up, man. No ego. Man, every opportunity I have to even come close to you, you just don't have that thing that some people do. And that, that's just their spirit, their genre, their, you know, uh, their aura, so to speak. But you don't have that. You always come straight from the heart, man. And I, I appreciate it. Again, I appreciate you allowing me to just be on the sidelines observing and then welcome me in a couple of yards in so I could ask some questions. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, this is Keith Klizak. He is undisputed ultra entree musician. Keeping it live for 2024. Check him out at Keith Klizak one, and that'll get you everywhere you need to go. You know, from his social handles and whatnot. I fell in love with him on LinkedIn. So if you belong to LinkedIn, come and hear the wisdom that he has because he's always spilling knowledge on LinkedIn and just go everywhere else he is. Peace and blessings to you, Keith. Peace and blessings to y'all who are out there watching. The whole thing about this is we're out here trying to make it happen. My name is Jerry B. I am the entree musician, but what's most important, so are you. Yes. See you next time. God bless. Peace.